Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians. We're finally out of, of chapter 1, and we are jumping right into chapter 2. And it won't be long before we get to chapter 4. Last week we listened as, as Paul and his letter to the people of Colossae gave more evidence as to why Jesus was God in the flesh. I, how much evidence do people really need? Have y'all ever thought about that? I mean, when, when I accepted Christ, and I'm sure when you accepted Christ, your personal Savior, I, I think back as I, I studied this, and I remember Amy's uncle, Wayne Clark, saying, accept him by faith. But we see Paul delivering evidence. It seems like the, as the years go by, people need more and more and more and more evidence when all God wants us to do is accept him by faith. But, we, you know, he's presenting the evidence. He presented the evidence last night that Jesus was God in flesh. Now, he had already given them six pieces of irrefutable evidence and then backed it up with basic logic reasoning. But last week, we heard a very sincere emotional appeal from Paul. He reminded the people of his sufferings in Christ for them. We learned that, that those sufferings were not necessary to complete the work of the cross, but they were extensions of Christ's sufferings for, at the cross. That, that when we as believers suffer, Christ in return suffers. Paul told them that the reason he rejoiced in all of this was that they may be presented as mature in the Lord. If this world doesn't need anything today, it needs mature Christians. Amen? It really does. Tonight we'll see what Paul has to say to convince the people of Colossae even more. So let's look at chapter 2, and where, I, where I'm going to stop, it might be seem kind of strange, but there wasn't really a natural breaking point, so we're, we're going to stop where we're going to stop, and I don't want to hear any complaints, all right? Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Paul writes, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not, not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. I'm saying this so that no one will, will deceive you with the per persuasive arguments for I, I, I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and strength of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, do what you want to for the rest of your life and nothing's going to happen. Live like the world, I mean test the waters. No, it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, Walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and, and not based on Christ. For in him, the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily and you have been filled by him who is the head over the over every ruler and authority let's pray father we thank you again for this day 
We thank you for loving us. And Lord, I pray during this, this time that we have together as we open your word, God, that you'd give us, you'd illuminate our hearts and minds to receive a message. Help us, Lord, every time we walk through these doors, we'll learn something new about you. Not because of me, but because of you and your word. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. Tonight we heard Paul make a full frontal assault to those who were trying to deceive the people in Colossae. What, what you heard Paul speak out against is what Epaphras had told him, the, 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 Colossi, the Colossian pastor, what he had told him these deceivers were teaching the people. Now I want each of you to listen very closely as we dissect, dissect this scripture to see if, see if any of this sounds familiar to you. John Phillips says, Paul is about to open up a full-scale attack on the cult that is imposing itself uh, on the church in Colossae. But first, he nails his colors to the mast. Those are war terms. Y'all know that, right? He nails his colors to the mast. He displays his flags and banners of truth. Soon his readers will have to choose sides. That's what we've all done. I mean, that's what it all boils down to. At some point in time in each one of our lives, as we call ourselves Christians, we've stood on one side and looked across at the other, and there's a middle ground between, and that's dangerous ground to be in. But we've, cho we've chosen a side that we're going to stand on, and they're very opposing sides, even in the world that we live in today. And there's a fine line for a lot of people which side they're going to choose. Now, what does our scripture say to us tonight? What, what do we see in our scripture? We first saw in verses 1 through 3, Paul giving his opening address to what is soon coming in the later part and the next subject that he's going to be addressing. Now, I love the way part Paul starts off his arguments. And he does this with positive words of affirmation to get, and then he gets to the meat of the message. He, he gets his audience's attention with words of introduction, and then he goes right to the heart of every matter. As we heard John Phillips stated, uh, this is Paul raising his colors and displaying his banner. Now, what does that mean? I, I used to love to watch movies. I can't tell you the last one I watched. I think I, Amy and I watched a Christmas movie the other night. Jingle Jangle. Y'all seen that movie? Jingle Jangle. You had not watched that, Mr. Holman? That's a pretty good movie. But I loved Braveheart. I can't tell you. When I was younger, I watched that movie over and over and over. Colin, you seen Braveheart? I mean, he, don't play. he doesn't play. He'll hit me. He, they, they killed his wife. He's, he's coming after you. Right? Do y'all remember when, you know, the, the, he, he finally got enough troops to, to follow his support? And the Scottish... We're on one side, and he's on that horse stand. You've seen the movie. He's like, yeah, boy. He's giving them a rally cry, but up in the distance, you see their banners. Their banners and their flags are who their heart and soul supports. They're not fighting for each other. They are, but they're fighting for those banners. Those banners represent something to them. That, that, that is who they are. And that's what Paul has done here. He's raising the flag at the very beginning, and he's getting ready to go to war. He's getting ready to, to, to announce his battle cry. We see in verse 1 that Paul is, is speaking of a struggle 
Look at verse 1. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for those that I have not seen, have, have not seen me in person. Well, what was, what was this struggle Paul was speaking of, and why was he speaking of, an, of other people in different locations? John Phillips says this. He says, After the battle was raging in Colossae, the enemy had to be stopped there, and not only in Colossian church, but also of the Christian world would be imperiled if, if, if they weren't stopped. It was not just a local matter. That is why Paul, although he had never been to Colossae, so far as we know, Philip says, made the battle of the Colossian church his own battle. He made it his own battle. Church, Paul is trying to drive home the seriousness of what is taking place. Too often we see little things creeping in and we do not handle them accordingly and they become huge issues. This apostasy, is, if, if not dealt with, would break out everywhere. And this is exactly what Satan's desire was. If this wasn't addressed, and listen, Amy, this, this is how good God is. Do you think this is the only time Satan has tried to attack a church or a community of believers through this, this way? No. But now what did they have to refute it when it came into the church? This letter. This letter. Honestly, there, there are churches in this city. In this city. I, I, I talked with somebody who is very influential, influential in the churches in, in this area. If I name their name, y'all would know who I'm talking about. I, I said, how many healthy churches are there in the Savannah, Savannah area? He said, not many. Well, how did they get unhealthy? Well, I imagine if, if you dug deep, you would find the same tactics that Satan used at the church at Colossae. He used at these churches. Well, why didn't the people do anything? Why didn't they say anything? They didn't know God's word. Because here's the answer. Here's the answer right here. But the church is just dead or dying. It's just dead or dying. Paul then explains something that needs to take place in the lives of believers. So, so his word and, and the Lord's work does not fail. He gives it to us. Look at verse 2. He says this. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have the riches assured uh, of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery Christ. Church, again, Paul explains something that needs to take place in the lives of every believer so his word and the Lord's work will not fail. So what did he tell us to do? He said to be encouraged. Be encouraged. When all hell is breaking loose around you, be encouraged. Because tomorrow is another day. God's giving you a new day every single day. Well, Brother Kyle, you just don't know how bad it is. Listen, I have purposely not shared what Amy and I have been through with very few people because it's been, it's been absolutely insanity for the past last, last year dealing with what we've been dealing with. It's just insanity. And all it is is, is, is Satan's attack. Why? If Satan can attack me as your pastor and, and I just fall to pieces, oh, Lord God, oh, you find me in a fetal position under my desk, what good am I to lead this church? What good am I to, to, to stand in the pulpit and preach God's word? Every single day, 
I would close my eyes and say, tomorrow will be a better day. Jeff, sometimes it wasn't. It wasn't. But I, I went to bed that night, and I said my prayers, and I said, God, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Well, how can I say that? Can I just say that on my own accord? No, because God's with me. God is with me. God is in me. How, how can I, you know, not look at it with a brighter outlook? And eventually, the next day came, and guess what? It was better. Can I tell you when your next day is going to be? But I can promise you this, it's going to get better. Well, Brother Kyle, I've, I've, I've struggled and I've struggled and I've struggled. Listen, one day is going to be your last day. One day is going to be your last day, and you're going to take your last breath on this earth, and that next day is going to be the next day, and it's going to be better. Because we're going to be home. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in glory. Yeah, but I'm going to be dead. Yeah, but when you're dead, I, there, I, I, there's not a record of anybody beating on the uh, eternal door saying, I want to come back because I, I don't like heaven. I, it's, it's not happened. He says, be encouraged. Paul tells the people of Colossae, listen, be encouraged. Secondly, he says this, let your hearts be joined together in love. Let your hearts be joined together in love. If we don't get anything right here at Chevis Oaks Baptist Church, we get that right stand. We really do. One of the things that's killing us, Miss, Miss Virginia, is not being able to hug, not being able to hold hands at the end of the fellowship. Y'all, that's got to stop soon. That, that's got to stop soon. It really does. We've got sinks in the back. If somebody holds your hand or wants to shake your hand or give you a high five, you, you can just grin. Hey, let's, let's grin and bear it and go to the bathroom afterwards and wash your hands. Or come up here, just walk around with some gel in your hand. I mean, I, I'm, it's, driving me, it's driving me crazy. Not be able to hug my people and love on my people. God is loving. He tells us to love one another. And, and we see it right here in, in the scripture tonight. There's only so many times you can tell somebody, Jeff, from, from, from the next month, there's no physical you know, altercation between you and Jennifer. None. All I want you to do, son, is just tell her this. I love you, baby. That's it. That's, you can't hold hands. You can't give her a goodnight kiss. Nothing. Nothing else. You just tell her. See how that goes for you. Huh? What? No. Yeah. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? Jeff said, is that the law? And I said, no. He said, good, because I, I would break it. No, we have to. We, we have to. Paul's telling me, he says, love, love will bring unity. That's, that's what the world needs to see, is our love for one another. He says this, he says, when this happens, when, when you're encouraged and when your hearts are, are joined together in love, when this happens, they will be able to hear, then we'll be able to hear spiritual knowledge and become wiser from, from that knowledge. Well, what knowledge? Of God's mystery. What, what's God's mystery? Christ. Christ is God's mystery. In him all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden, he says. In him all wisdom and knowledge is hidden. My next door neighbor when I was growing up, his name was Lon Moorfield. Very colorful man. He was an obstetrician. He, he worked with eyes. He was my eye doctor. And you, he would come over to our house, and, and he and my dad would sit around, and they, they would have some drinks. And after two or three drinks, Mr. Mr. Moorfield, he would have some very colorful, I mean, just great stories. He was a great storyteller. 
He used to tell us about the Andros man from the Andros Islands. Uh, the Andros Islands, Colin, I know you've been to the Bahamas. Many of y'all been to the ha- Bahamas. But the Andros, Andros or Andros Islands are some of the biggest ones. And they're very, very seldom ever visited. Well, he was the eye doctor on that island. And he would tell us stories of, of people walking up and down the, the beaches. And there was some man that walked up and down one of the beaches of the Andros Islands. And he would always try and put it in their dialect, Andros Islands. And they found gold balloons. And he would, you know, show us in his hands what a gold balloon looked like, Spanish balloon. And he, he drew me a map, and I still have that map somewhere. He said, this is where he found it. And he drew a picture of the, the island, and there was a little, little cove where it was. And he said, if you ever go there, you need to walk this beach. He said, because after a storm, these gold balloons just roll up on the shore. Now, everybody been here in this room has been to the beach, right? Everybody here has been to Tybee Island, right? Right? There's never been a time where I've walked down Tybee Island and I found treasure just sitting on the shore. Now, I mean, there, there was a time, y'all, uh, in my last church, this guy, he was a metal detector. He, he loved, you know, going out and finding stuff. He would go out to historic mounds. There's all kinds of historic Civil War mounds in Beaufort County where they would set up in different parts of the port to, to fire on ships as they were coming in. And they, I mean, they, 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 you can tell. If you don't know, if you've never seen one, nobody's ever pointed it. But after you know, you can see them. So we were, we were metal detecting. And there was never a time when I was metal detecting when I was sitting here and I looked down and there was, there was something sitting right there on top of the ground. Dan, that never happened to me. Now, there was a time and somebody, it was close to a front yard where I was sitting there metal detecting and I got the beep, 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 beep. That's what you do. You make sure that, you know, several times. And guess what you have to do? You have to dig. You have to do physics. And I, I dug and and I set the dirt to the side, and doot, doot. if it's not there, I mean, if it's still in the same spot, guess what you have to do? You have to dig deeper. That's exactly right. But sometimes you'll go, doot, and then it's not there anymore, and you'll, doot, doot. it's over here in the pile that you set to the side. And you sift through that with your hands, and we found cannonball fragments. He's found belt buckles. He's found Civil War buttons. He's found Civil War money. He's found, I mean, parts of metal from the guns and all this stuff. And that's just a lot of work. Yeah, but to him, it's treasure. It's treasure. What are you saying, Brother Kyle? Listen, treasure, real treasure is not sitting on top of the earth. You have to dig for it. You, you have to physically do something. The reason Scripture's not a, a treasure to so many people is because you're not willing to, to dig into it. You're not willing to do the work to get the treasure out. Jesus is a hidden treasure. Do you know he is in every single book in the Bible? I, I preached through that. I did that not too long ago. Every single book in the Bible, Jesus is. In the Old Testament, Jesus is what? Wednesday night class, please impress me. In the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed. In the New Testament, he is revealed. He's in every book. 66 love letters from Jesus to us are right here before us. 
So now Paul comes to the argument against the cultish theology. Paul first tells the people why. Why his words are important in verse 4. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 he says, I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. I, I, I'm, I'm laying this out because I don't want somebody to deceive you with persuasive arguments. Any of y'all ever heard an argument why they won't believe Christ, Christ is, is, is the Son of God? Why they won't become a Christian? Do you know why Paul wrote this? Because we're, evil, we're easily deceived. We are so easily deceived. We, we want something that's shiny, something that's new, something, something that is just, something is new. We don't want to believe the truth. You, you look at where the church is today. I, I am not against a new church movement. But I'm against the church movement. And what that is, is a church grows large in a congregation. They're, they're bringing in all kind of money. The, the, the pastor becomes somewhat of a celebrity. And instead of this church doing what Scripture says we need to do and plant another church somewhere else, they just, oh, well, look, we're, we're going to open a second campus across town. And we're, we're going to open a third campus in a different location. And they've got a, a, a pastor there, but he's not really the pastor. The lead pastor is the one who is the first church. And he broadcasts all these other the, simulcasts to other churches. That, that's not the New Testament model, church. It's not the New Testament model. What Paul is saying here is this. I do not want you to be deceived. You know why he's saying that? Because we're so easily deceived. We're so easily manipulated. Church, do you realize that we as believers cannot be possessed by Satan? But we can be oppressed by him. Church, you do know that Satan cannot invalidate the word of God, but, but, or, or, or certainly he can't invalidate the deity of Christ. But he can deceive you into believing through persuasive arguments that the word of God is not the word of God and that Jesus is not the son of God. You know that, right? I'll never in my life ever forget trying to talk to my dad about Jesus, about how Jesus changed my life. And I would ask, I'd, I'd, I'd tell him in Scripture, I'd show him in Scripture, and I, I'd look at dad and I'd say, Dad, do you, do, can you not believe this? And his words were this, I believe that you believe it. I believe that you believe it. What is that? Well, let's, let's look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 again says, I am saying this unto you. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. That was my father's persuasive argument. In other words, he was saying, no, I don't believe it. But I guess I believe that you believe it because you nuts. Persuasive argument. Paul then tells the people, what he desires the outcome of this letter to be in verse 5. He says this. He says, For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and strength of, of your faith in Christ. He wanted their strength to grow. 
I mean, they, they were being deceived, and they, they didn't know which way to go, Miss Virginia. But he's saying, listen, I, I want you to know. I want you to know. I want your strength and your faith in Christ to grow. We, we now hear a challenge from Paul in verse 6. He says this, Therefore, you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. How many of y'all have accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm going to say the same thing to you. Listen. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus and the Lord, walk in Him. Walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Walk in Him. Quit straddling the line. Listen, quit coming to church on Sunday and playing church, coming down here during the invitation and praying and walking away with tears and walking out that door and living like hell, treating people like hell. You can't do it. He says, walk it. I am so sick of people talking it. Quit talking it. Walk it. I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again. I, when, when Kyle Jr. was playing football, middle linebacker at Bluffton High School, he, he would come off the field after he'd made a tackle. He said, you just wait till I get back out there. I'm going to get him again. I'm going to get him again. And I, he'd go out there the next defensive stance, and the guy would run right by him. The next defensive stance, they'd score again. And he'd say, Dad, I'm going to get him this time. And I'd say, man, I don't want to hear it. Show me. Show me. That's what Paul is saying here. Quit running your mouth and show me. Walk it. Walk it. That's good stuff. I figured somebody, I don't know, Dan, you even quiet on that one. Now comes the good stuff, church. Paul is, is going to dismantle this cultist theology from the very beginning of how they approach believers. Now pay close attention and see if you recognize where Satan has inserted people just like these deceivers in our society today. Y'all pay attention. Look at verse 8. He says this. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. He says, be careful. Be careful that that doesn't happen. John Phillips says this about Paul's first strike at the deceivers in Colossae. He says, human reasoning, philosophy, has its limitations. Some truths are, by their very nature, things beyond the scope of human reasoning. He says, we cannot, underline, we cannot know the reasoning of how the universe began. The truth that we have in the Bible stems not from an unaided human intellect. The truth is the result of divine revelation and as, as it's only in true substance. All things are known to us, not because we figured them out, but because he has revealed them to us. I'm so sick of these intellects who, who, well, I can figure out how this works. You just, you push the button right here and you speak into this. People who are, mm, I'm, I'm, I just about stepped on my, mm. 
They think they've got everything figured out. They know how everything works, and they've eliminated God from all the equation. That's like the atheist looking up to God and say, look, God, I've I, 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 I figured all the world out and I, I, can, I, I can take a, a stem cell from a child and I can reproduce that child and I can make a human being just like you did, God. And he says, well, I made man from dirt. He said, well, I can make man from dirt. And the, man, the atheist reached down and, and he picked up a handful of dirt and said, God said, oh, no, son, that's my dirt. You make your own dirt. Church, I want to read verse 8 again now that we have a little more understanding of what Paul is saying. And then I want to, then I want to ask a question. Look at verse 8 again. It says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. Philosophy and rationalism made its way into the religious world even after this letter Paul gave to warn of, us, of, of such things. But Satan has taken this thought process to an even greater level. Where could Satan implement such tactics as these to be even more effective and destroy even more people? Where, where could he do it? L listen again, listen, listen. Paul says, be very careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. Where could Satan do the most destruction? Our schools. What are our children learning? philosophy, world order based on man's tradition. And don't you ever say anything about Christ. Don't you ever say anything about Christ. Samantha, you're a junior. Have you ever written a paper and inserted what the Christian theology was based on that thought? Only in religion class. But if you did it in a psychology class, you'd probably fail, right? You'd probably fail you. Why is that? Because they don't want any thought process of Christ because that's irrational thinking. We, we, we use Christ as a crutch. Satan has inserted himself in every outlet in the world, and especially our school systems. You read that back again tonight, and he's destroying and deceiving people by the millions. Paul then tells us in verses 9 and 10, why we should not be easily persuaded by persuasive arguments in verse 9 and 10. He says this, For in him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily, and you have been filled by him who is the head over, over, over every ruler and authority. I didn't read all that, did I? Let me read it again. For in him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily, and you have been filled with him who is the head over every ruler and authority. This is why we need to be careful to not, not listen to persuasive arguments 
that aren't rooted in Christ. Amen, church? Now, what Paul is speaking about tonight has been an attack by Satan for many years. And has only, this, this attack is only intensified. We will never see the end of this attack this side of heaven because it is so effective. Church, the only way we can be sure we do not fall prey and is to stay close to Jesus and to stay in his word. Now, what is that? That's the truth. We will either fail or succeed based upon our focus of where our focus is directed. Wherever your thought process is focused is where you're going to succeed. Where it should be on Christ and Christ alone. Amen? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that this pastor in Colossae had enough intuition, God, to, to seek you out, to seek a solution out, a real solution, by going to Paul. We thank you for his words. We thank you that his words were recorded, that we might have such words to help us as we try to, to move the church forward, Lord. We pray that you would help us individually to seek you out, to stay close to you, God, that we might not fall prey easily by persuasive words. We love you, Lord. Be with us right now. In Jesus' name I do pray.